one of the Bronx Beat Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Fagan. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Paul Semendinger. Hello, EJ. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Dr. Paul? <laughs> I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. I, uh, I I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, got to record a, a podcast as I got off the plane last week, and then the Yankees did nothing for another week, so I got to have a nice, peaceful, podcast-free Thanksgiving. Which is uh, all important. All important, yeah. I, I would not would not, have, not have enjoyed recording an episode on Friday. Um, but uh, the winter meetings are about to pick up. It's about to be time for the major moves of the offseason. Uh, so, for example, I think it was a week from now, last year, that the, that Giancarlo Stanton was traded to the Yankees. Um, it was, I think, the, the year that the Yankees signed Teixeira, A.J. Burnett, and all that was this was that first week in December. So it, it's about time. It's about time for, for some major moves. And the Yankees are talking about at least one. Uh, or it, it, this is an oddly phrased rumor, so I, I shouldn't actually say the Yankees are talking about it. Um, apparently, the Mariners are heavily pitching Cano, Robinson Cano to the Yankees. Um, Cano is an interesting player at the moment. Um, and I'm, what we're going to talk about for a second is, you know, should the Yankees be interested in Cano? He has five more years left on his contract, being paid $24 million per year. He's about to enter his age 36 season. He missed about half the season last year with a steroid uh, performance-enhancing drug suspension. Uh, but when he played, he was really good. He was excellent, in fact. Um, he hit 303, 374, 471 for a 136 OPS+. Plus. Um, he was worth, over that time, three wins in half a season, which is pretty darn impressive. Uh, Cano is easily going to the Hall of Fame and is really having a very strong end to his career. Still a good defensive second baseman. Um, you know, Still a, basically the same hitter he's always been. Should the Yankees try and go get him? Well, it's such a great question, EJ. The reason, well, there, there's a number of reasons and speculation on the Michael K. show today uh, on the radio and TV on the Yes Network. Don LaGreca opined that he thought the Yankees may have known that uh, Cano was dabbling in steroids, and that might have been the reason they didn't give him a long contract. But even if that's, that's not crap. true, and, that's and I don't, crap. I don't, yeah, exactly, and I don't necessarily believe that. The, the Mariners overpaid the for Cano. Like that, that that's what happened. The Mariners paid a, a ton of money for Cano, and the Yankees said, thank, thank, thanks, but no thanks. Correct. And the Yankees said, we don't want to go that many years. And and so the Yankees will be paying for his, what, age 36 through age 41 seasons? Age 40, but yeah. Yeah, say uh, second baseman don't necessarily age all that well. And, you know, I think the way the, the uh, rumor is is that they're going to be giving up Jacoby Ellsbury and maybe getting some cash back. I think that's what, where it really depends on how much are they really going to be paying Robinson Cano. I'd rather get rid of Ellsbury in two years, even if they have to eat the contracts uh, for those two years, or even eat them all right now, and then you're done with this albatross. Why would you want to purposely get three extra years unless the Mariners are going to make this very appealing for the Yankees? So I, I think it's an interesting question to talk about. Let me just talk about the pluses of Cano before the contract situation, which is clearly a problem. Um, we can hash that out. He's still really good, right? So he's still potentially a four to six win player. Um, you know, he's still very, very durable. He is still, um, you know, his, his skills haven't really degraded. He's a left-handed hitter, which the Yankees need. He plays second base, which the Yankees kind of need. Like they need in the short term a second baseman, depending on what happens to D. Gregorius, maybe in the long term. But I suspect that at some point 
before his contract is over, he'll move over to first base. He already played a little bit of first base in 2018, so that process has kind of sort of sort of already begun, but not because of bad defense, but because the Mariners had D. Gordon in second base. Um, he's good. I, I think he would make the Yankees better over the next couple of years. Now, I agree with you that the last couple of years of that contract are not going to be pretty. Um, I think it kind of comes down to a math problem. I mean, the, Jacoby Ellsbury is, I think, essentially useless to the Yankees. He might be a little more useful to another team than the Yankees, but still grossly overpaid and is, a, is an albatross contract of his own. Cano is, is still really good, and you project him to become an albatross before the end of that contract is over, both of which are reasonable. And so, you know, if if it's literally just a, you know, one for one, where the Yankees take on a little bit more money and get a better player and they shed Ellsbury's money, I mean, at that point, his contract becomes less of an albatross, right? So he's worth $24 million per for five years. So it's $120 million left in his contract. If you just subtract the $42 million owed Ellsbury over that time, that's $78 million left divided by five years. You know, that's a five-year, $16 million contract, which seems like not that far off of what Cano would get as a free agent right now, right? Uh, probably. Uh, again, would he get that for those ages 39 and 40 season, maybe 38? I, I doubt probably it. Probably not. Yeah, I'd probably get like a three-year deal or so at $16 million. That sounds about right. You know, I think it comes down to a bigger picture question. It's something I've written about. Um, what are the Yankees going to do with shortstop and D.D. Gregorius? Do they really feel that it's worth paying D.D. Uh, $12 million this year to not play for most of the season and then to hopefully have him come back sometime in the summer, again, hopefully, and hopefully for him to be an impact player when he does come back? And so are they looking to fill in at shortstop or are they looking to fill in at second base? You know, here's my big conundrum. At this point, and I love D.D. Gregorius. In fact, you know, the blog that I have is called Start Spreading the News. That's how D.D. starts every one of his tweets. D.D.'s a beloved Yankee. He's great. But it's a tough call to also be paying him big money because his contract will be up after the season and he's going to be a free agent to play his young 30s into his mid-30 years when he's going to start slowing down and not being the player he was and also not knowing how well he's going to come back from the Tommy John surgery. So that's part one. Part two is if they're going to move uh, Glaber Torres to short, I'm of the mind that when you have a talent like him who is a shortstop, that you don't jerk him around and go, hey, kid, you're going to play second this year. You're going to start at short next year. Then we're going to move you back to second. And then maybe someday we're going to move you back to short. I say you take the premier talent, which is Glaber Torres, and you say you are going to play X position for the next five, eight, ten years or whatever, and you leave him there based upon his performance, of course, but all indicators are that his performance will be great. So let me, let's, let's pick those apart briefly. Yep. So I think we both agree that there's a short-term problem, at least a short-term problem in the middle infield where Didier Gregorius is going to be gone for a little bit of time. And interestingly enough, we'll talk about this in a minute, Ronald Torres is no longer an option there. And so the Yankees have to acquire somebody to play a middle infield spot for at least six months. Um, maybe that's a long-term thing. Maybe that's a six-month thing. We'll see. And then there's this question of Didier Gregorius, would you re-sign him as a free agent? And I think what you just argued was that he probably, probably not, right? That he's going to be, you would resign him for his age 30 season and beyond. And although he's peaking right now, he's doing very well. You don't want him on the roster long term. 
it, it's a good it's a good argument it's a tough conundrum because he's great and he's beloved and uh you know in the absence of having a guy like labor torres who could fill in for him yeah i think you do uh maybe offer dd a contract when he becomes a free agent at the end of next year being that you have somebody who is probably i mean at least projected to be his superior um offensively and possibly defensively it, it becomes a question of why would you spend a lot of money for dd um when you have glaber torres who could be your shortstop i mean this is why they got him right to be a premier impact player and he's a shortstop yeah i'm, I'm kind of with you there i think i'd love to have dd gregorius for the next two or three seasons but i do think he won't age particularly well his skill sets it's defensive based and so that athleticism will eventually go away and, you know, although he's he's become a pretty good hitter over the last couple of years, 120 OPS plus last year, 106 the year before, you know, but he doesn't have a lot of room to go before he becomes less useful if he's not a good defensive player. That is, I don't, I can, I don't see, like, for example, like a Cano who could move down in positions and still be productive. I don't see Didi Gregorius third baseman being something I, I really want on my team. Um, if he's not playing shortstop, I don't think he's a productive major league player. Um, or at least, or at least on a championship team, maybe he can move over to second or something, but still wouldn't be all that good. Um, I think I would be okay if the Yankees' plan is basically this half season. Torres plays shortstop for the first half of the season, kind of does something else during the second half of the season. Didi Gregorius comes back when he's healthy and is probably better in the short term than 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 Glaber Torres, and then Cano plays second. Um, I'm. I'm okay with that. Maybe in that second half of the season, Cano is playing second, DH, first base, something like that. I think that's a really good team. I also, Cano is a unique player. I think he's one of those players that's going to go down as like an all-time great hitter, as the kind of player that people invoke 30 years from now as somebody who's swinging you should emulate or whose approach to the plate you should emulate. And as a result, he's aging really well. And I think he'll be productive you know, pretty, you know, pretty decently late into, you know, into his 30s. And maybe that, maybe, I, I think I might rather have a 37-year-old Robinson Cano than a 30, 30-year-old D.D. Gregorius. No, that's a fair point. Uh, again, D.D., you know, we, we've talked about this, and even heading into last year, uh, you had looked at some really deep statistics on D.D. and, and came to the conclusion, and, and he proved he proved you wrong, but your research wasn't wrong, that a lot of what he was doing offensively was, um, you know, uh, more luck than than skill. And, um, you know, he, he did have that terrible month. <laughs> we had a great start to the 2018 season. Then he had a terrible month. And you also have to wonder, you know, how long he can sustain this. I don't think everybody ever really thought he was going to be the hitter that he's been the last couple years. And... Again, he's not going to have a spring training. He's going to be coming back in the heat of a pennant race. You know, what are they really going to get out of him this year? And, and again, this isn't, you know, sometimes when we do these things, people think, how can you hate on D.D. Gregorius? It's Nobody's hating on him. I think we all love him. But I think we're also trying to say, like, what do you need to do to put a championship team on the, on the field? And is he part of that this year? And is he part of that then long term? Yeah, so just to, to reference the StatCast numbers, he, he got better in 2018, though he still wasn't as good as his performance was on the field. So he had a 314 ex-WOBA in 2018, which is a big step up from his pretty bad ex-WOBA in 2016-2017, uh, but is not was not what he showed on the field. So I do think that there's some luck going on there. Maybe he's particularly good at exploiting Yankee Stadium since we know he's a pure pole hitter. 
Um, but that's just that that's something to 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 kind of keep in mind. Um, all right, so let's say that the trade is Jacoby Ellsbury and like Sonny Gray for Robinson Cano. Do you do that trade? Wow. Uh, well, I want the Mariners to give something back. I want the Mariners, whether they're going to offset some of that salary. I understand your point that $16 million for Robbie Cano isn't bad, and it's really not. But I want, the, I want them to give a little more. I don't mind giving up Sonny Gray, though there are discussions that he might fetch more than everybody thinks he's worth. Um, you know, my pipe dream is that Sonny Gray is part of a different package to go to the Reds. Um, which then doesn't get them Cano because it's part of uh, Scooter Jeanette coming to the Yankees. But um, if that doesn't happen, you know, to make the Yankees a better team, I want them to win the World Series in 2019. I'm tired of the Yankees not winning World Series. This could be 10 years now. Um, Are they a better team with Robinson Cano next year? Yes. Um, Is he the long-term answer? I think you're right also that he's got that beautiful swing and he probably will age well because his swing isn't predicated on on home runs it's really predicated on driving the ball into the gaps and and he could probably do that you know there's that old saying what what uh, somebody once asked ty cobb when when he was about 80 years old they said to ty cobb like well baseball is different today if you were playing today what would you hit and he said something like i'd probably only hit about 280 they're like the (laughs) players today are that good he goes no i'm 80 years old (laughs) (laughs) That's, uh, that's wonderful um yeah, you know, I I think I'm on the side of yes, I do pull a trigger on that trade. Uh, I think that I think that Ellsbury's salary is just such uh, an albatross on, on the team right now that um, you know you really could it really I think the Yankees could stomach that um, if they're willing to do it. Now, there's a couple of things that I would I would say would stop me from doing that trade. One is that if um, if the Yankees are really intent on staying below the luxury tax long term. Maybe I don't do it, right? Maybe, maybe that I'm concerned about those years, years three, four, and five, the team really struggling with you know a, a very expensive Cano and then some other players we're going to talk about later that are also going to, going to get more expensive around then. Um, if the Yankees are willing to go and spend $250 million per year, which I still think they're willing to, um, we'll see We'll see what happens at the end of this offseason. But I, I still think the Yankees are going to lay out some cash. Um, you know, I think that is – that's that, then, then Cano is much more – reasonable. I think the other question is what, what what's the opportunity cost relative to other free agents? So Cano, $24 million, um, you know, a $3 million extra luxury tax hit in the short term, but um, you know, still a lot of money in the payroll. Are they not okay with going getting May Machado or maybe they would be okay otherwise if you go get Robson Cano? I don't know, probably. I mean, probably it's a one or the other kind of deal. Um, what's May Machado? What are May Machado and Bryce Harper going to cost? Josh Donaldson just signed a one-year, $23 million deal, which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And Cano is, would be $24 million, and I'm not convinced that Donaldson's a better player right now than Robinson Cano. Um, at that price, you know, we might be seeing another level of baseball inflation, and then all of a sudden Manny Machado is going to be $40 million, not $30 million. At that point, $24 million looks kind of good. It's kind of like Giancarlo Stanton's contract. At the time it was signed, right? It looked it looked like a like a like a massive deal, and now he looks like a bargain. Well, again, that's a, I think you're making a great point on that. And when people are saying they should trade Giancarlo Stanton so they could sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, Wait, people are saying that. You, you see that in some articles. You see it on Twitter and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think you make a great point that that 
salaries, comparative salaries, John Carlos Stan is a much better bargain. And it's funny you say that with the salaries making, but yeah, he's going to be a lot paid a lot less. And aren't the uh, Marlins at least contributing a little bit to that? Yeah, it's it's a little bit, but it depends on whether or not he he exercises his player option. But what's nice is that it lowers the luxury tax, even if he even if they end up sending the Yankees nothing. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong about that. Correct. When it gets into um, those specifics, I, I tend to uh, gloss over, to be honest. Yeah, I, the, the the you know the Cano I think is kind of in that same boat where the AAV is a little lower than you might get like for a player if you signed him today. Um, you know, I, we talked I talked earlier about how that contract was just massive at the time, and like no, the Yankees didn't want to give Cano two hundred forty million dollars. It kind of is a good. It's been a really good deal for the for the for the, the the Mariners. I wish the Yankees had re-signed Cano because Cano has been one of the most productive players in baseball, especially one of the most productive old players in baseball since he since he signed that contract. He's been excellent. And the Yanks have had a black hole for most much of that time at second base. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's also very true. Um, and so you know, I think I, I think this is something that. I don't think should be dismissed. I, I, I still wouldn't bet on it. I think that there's a lot of money there and the Yankees have been kind of, you know, they've been a little, they've been a little risk averse with their money, but um, I do think that there's potential there for a trade. And again, if you could get out of that Ellsbury contract, the, the numbers are actually are pretty, pretty reasonable. I think they just kind of shift the luxury tax burden around a little bit for the Yankees. Um, I also just love how good Cano has been um, right now. His baseball reference war, which is, disagrees quite a lot with his fan graphs war but is 69 wins over his career that's that sets him up he's heading towards like inner circle hall of fame and i loved cano growing up i, I mean not growing up i was older but like when, when cano was like in his heyday with the yankees he was one of my favorite players he's such a great player to watch he's he's one of the best players ever to wear the yankee uniform and i would love to have him back that's just kind of also part of this for me well, you know what, you're talking about something that's also a big part of being a fan is the fact that there is that uh, uh, romantic, it's not uh, sexual romantic, but a romantic thing about we, we fall in love emotionally and, and, and relate to specific players. And, you know, th- those are the people that we end up rooting for. Um, and those are the players that even when they're past their prime, that we say, oh man, I wish he would come back. Or when we think back on them, we think back very fondly, we say, oh, that guy was great. And and sometimes that defies the numbers that they put up, or sometimes it's because of the numbers they put up. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a George Steinbrenner, hopefully future Hall of Famer, would uh, would have played the emotional side, but the current Yankee regime may not, may not be there. Um, it's too bad. Let's move on. Uh, another, we'll talk about the emotional side. The Yankees has have designated for assignment Ronald Torres. Uh, they've claimed right-hander Parker Birdwell, uh, Bridwell. I always want to say Birdwell. Parker Bridwell off waivers from the Angels. Um, Bridwell is kind of an interesting player. Um, he is uh, he's a starting pitcher. He was really good in 2017. He had a 3.64 ERA in 2017. And worse FIP numbers. He's not really a strikeout guy. Um, you know, he's got, you know, some decent number in the numbers in the minors. It seems that the Yankees are stockpiling pitching. Do you think the Yankees should stockpile uh, a depth pitcher like Parker Bridwell, or should they have, they have kept one of their few depth shortstop infield options? No, I think the, the, the need is at, at, in the pitching staff. Uh, they don't have a lot of high-end talent right now who they're going to be able to turn to, and invariably you turn to pitchers. Your AAA, uh, I, I don't think he has any options, this guy, but I think you need depth pieces so that you can um, reach down and, and get guys who you're going to need. And 
Uh, you know what? Torres is nice. What was his on base percentage this year? Two ninety. Two ninety four. Yeah. Uh, Not good. He's he was fun. He was really fun in twenty seventeen with the Toe Night Show and all that kind of stuff. You know, again, I think sometimes we 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 conflate a player's enthusiasm or his quote intangibles with the fact that he might seem better than he was. Uh, you know, are the Yankees a worse team without Ronald Torres? I, I don't really think so. Do they have a number of guys who they can plug in? They just got a guy from the Dodgers, I believe, who they project as an outfielder, but has played a number of infield positions. Uh, they've got Tyler Wade, who everybody's waiting to see if he can hit in the major leagues, but is, is a great defensive player. I, I, I'm not all that broke. I liked Ronald Torres, but... I, you know what? If we're worrying about Ronald Torres and being the difference maker, I, th- I think the Yankees have much bigger problems. See, I'm with you here. And, in fact, I want to go a little beyond that. I think Torres is actually a really good replacement player to kind of have in your organization to call up if you have a couple of injuries. Like, he's he's a slightly above replacement level player who can play a lot of positions pretty well. And, you know, he's fine. Like, he, he is a fine player to have. I don't like players where their emotional attachment to the team exceeds their performance by that much. I think that last summer when the Yankees decided to send down Ronald Torres, and I forget who they called up, but they called somebody up and to, to replace him, there was a, there was like a bit of a reaction. Like people were sad to see him go and they weren't happy. And I think that kind of sentiment can lead to bad decision-making. I think it could lead to you keeping him on the roster instead of someone like Tyler Wade who might be better on the roster, might be more useful on the roster. And um, I hope he clears waivers. I hope he's at AAA and that they can call him up if they need to and also not feel that bad about DFA him, him again if they have to. Um, if he gets claimed, you know, I, I hope he finds a major league job somewhere. I like Ronald Torres, but I do think I'm totally with you. The Yankees just have better options at this point. You know, EJ, I've got this new microphone, as you know, which is much better than the microphone I used to use. And um, while we would do these things, I used to – and you couldn't really hear me, I guess, because the microphone wasn't that good. But I used to jump online and, and, and gather information as, as you were talking and as other people other people were talking. But isn't it not true, correct me if I'm wrong, that when the Yankees acquired Torres, this there, there was that winter they had him, they let him go, somebody else picked him up, the other team dropped him, the Yankees picked him back up again. Didn't that happen like two or three times in a matter of well, a couple of months? I'm going to do the research for you. We're going to do some little transaction log going on right here. All right, because uh, I, th- as we... I think that happened. I, if I start going online, though, you're going to hear all the noise of my clicking, and I'm trying not to do that. Yeah, so the Yankees, yeah, so the Yankees acquired him in a trade uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers in January of, 20, uh, 12, of 2012. He was claimed off waivers immediately after that, January 25th, uh, by the Los Angeles Angels, and then he was claimed off off waivers from the Angels by the Yankees. So once he was on the Yankees, once we knew who he was, he was he was around. But yeah, like he was he bounced around waivers a little bit uh, before before that season. Correct, and that, that indicates he's a nice fringe player. But but again, as you said, we're hoping the Yankees break the bank. We're hoping the Yankees uh, exceed the luxury tax, and I think that's really the big X factor. Is if the Yankees actually invest in the team and decide that they're going to really start spending the money with all these great premier uh, talents out there like Machado or Harper or Corbin or all of them. Um, 
that's that's what's going to make a difference. The the difference on the 2019 Yankees isn't going to be Ronald Torres. And again, if it is, that's probably the difference between third and fourth place, right? I mean, and I'll tell you, the, the the Yankees are in a weird position this offseason because of Didi Gregorius. They they need they need somebody who can play shortstop full time for at least half the season and can even be an option for the full season. That is not Ronald Torres. But that player that's going to be playing shortstop in the first half of the season will almost li- very likely be on the bench in the second half of the season. So you got to find that player who's somewhere in between Ronald Torres and the full-time player. And but that means that you just don't have room for Ronald Torres. You got you got to replace him because, you know, he he's not particularly useful to you and you'll have a better replacement for him by mid-season. You're right. You know, something else you talked about when we talked about um, the attachment that people have with players and that leads to bad decisions. I think one thing the Yankees have not done as well uh, is as an organization, they tend to be, um, um, I can't think of the word, uh, tied to a player. Um, What do you call it when you're really, uh, I can't get the word, when when you're like things that you have and you really enjoy having them and you're nostalgic, if, if you will. Yeah, yeah, um, attached, yeah, whatever, you know. Um, the team that's really been good at not being so nostalgic has been the Red Sox. When the Red Sox feel a yeah, player is done, yeah. they let them go. I mean, years ago, they let go Nomar Garcia-Parr. Everybody's like, how do you do that? Well, then, then they won the World Series. And, you know, when Manny Ramirez stopped being valuable to them, they let them go. Even the Rays like, are great at that, too. The Rays will dump you on your ass, you know, no problem. Right, and and the Red Sox do that um, because their ultimate goal, it seems, is to win. It's not to be um, romanticizing a player's past history. You know, Babe Ruth was great, but Babe Ruth wouldn't be great today, obviously, because he's dead. Uh, the Yankees team seem to say, like, well, you were great, and you were a lifetime Yankee, so we'll keep bringing you back, and we'll pay you, and we'll we'll let you play another couple more years. I mean, they've done that with so many players. And, and I get it, because they're Yankee icons. But, you know, if the object is to win, then the object is to win. Hey, if Babe Ruth was playing today, I'd believe in God. Um, so moving on. Uh, and, he, and he would probably be very good if he was playing today. Well, if he's, if, if, yeah, and, and I do believe yeah. in God. And I, I wish he'd bring Babe Ruth back. Yeah, if an angel could rise him from the, from the grave and, you know, he would restore all of his baseball powers. Because, you know, you, I don't know why he would rise an old Babe Ruth from the grave. All right, uh, let's move on from that odd segment to uh, another another kind of quick segment. So the Yankees reportedly tried to offer a very similar package that they offered for James Paxton to the Arizona Diamondbacks in return for Paul Goldschmidt, and the Diamondbacks turned them down. Um, so real quick question to you, Paul. Would you have preferred the Paul Goldschmidt return for that same package or the James Paxton return? James Paxton Goldschmidt, I think, is one year left on his contract. Yep. And the Yankees, look, they need a first baseman, but I think they need pitching more. I, I can't imagine. That's an old-fashioned Yankee move from the 1980s when you take your number one prospect and you trade him for a, a you know, a declining first. And Goldschmidt's great, but a declining first baseman on the last year of his contract who's getting $18 million or something crazy. And you use your number one trade bait for trade chip for that. I, I wouldn't do that in a million years. I'd like Goldschmidt on the Yanks. That'd be great. But you don't give up Justice Sheffield and more for him. I mean, I mean to be fair, Paxton's only got two years on his contract. Um, I, I kind of agree with you just that the Yankees, like, they need pitching more than they need a first baseman. But they also kind of need a first baseman. And, and I would love to see them try and trade for, for Goldschmidt. I mean, if the price is that high, I suspect that they won't be able to make a trade for Paul Goldschmidt. Um, 
the only argument I have against, I would say, in favor of Goldschmidt at this point, because um, they're both pretty much equal players, they're both probably going to be about five wins next year, is that the Yankees really need a first baseman. There are not a lot of first basemen on the, on the market, and they can use their money to get pitching. Um yeah, you know, that that again, that that's that that's make. There's some assumptions in that in that argument right there, but I I do think it's not a terrible deal. But I'm with you there that you know maybe you know Paul Goldschmidt, especially at points last season, looked like he might be finished, and just kind of like you know came alive halfway through the season and, and it was pretty good. You know, he might he might not have much baseball left in him. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's that's a great thing to think about. It didn't happen. James Paxton is a Yankee. Paul Goldschmidt is not. I want to talk about some current Yankees, some Yankees who um, uh, are on the team, and we are going to discuss whether or not we should extend them. So I'm going to read the list, and then we're going to go through them one by one. Now, when we talk about contract extensions, we're, we're talking about uh, fair market value extensions. So the Yankees aren't going to get a really team-friendly deal on any of these. I don't have any numbers to give you, unfortunately. I couldn't really find a projection for, uh, for contract extensions. Um, but I'll kind of give an idea of what I'm talking about when we kind of come up with all of these. The players that we're going to discuss, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Luis Severino, Glaber Torres, and Miguel Andujar. Um, so, so Paul, let's say you could get, let's say, buy out three free agent years from each of these players. Um, would you extend Gary Sanchez? Uh, no, I think Gary Sanchez needs to have an impactful 2019 season where he demonstrates... Um, that he is the elite hitter that he was when he first came up. Uh, 2018 was not a good year, um, and I think he needs to really prove it on the field before I'd be willing to invest long-term in him. So that, that's the question is, like, how much does that depress his price to me? So, like, if you could get Gary Sanchez on the cheap, I think you would, you would do it. I don't think he's going to sign that contract. I think he's going to try and have, like, a really big year and get a, you know, get a big arbitration raise or, or whatever. Like, I, I think I don't think that's... That's the right way to extend him. That said, he's going to be 26 next year. He'll be a free agent after, I believe, his 28, you know, 20, yeah, 28 season, I think. Yeah, not so that not until that, 2023, I don't believe. Oh, really? Okay, so we actually have, so it's probably his 29. Right, yeah, okay. Forgive the so, clicking. I'm going to look on baseball reference because I have it up here. It says uh, I, earliest free agent for Gary Sanchez, 2023. It's okay, so he'll be 29. So that'd be his 29 season. Um, you know, I, it is a long time away. I'm with you there. I think if you could buy out like two free agent seasons and get get to 31, to me that's like most of his productive years. I would do it on the cheap, but I don't think he's the best option. Um, my general rule of thumb, and I'm curious what you think for for these kinds of uh, free agent free agent um, uh, contract extensions for the Yankees, is the Yankees are kind of in a weird situation where they can act as the insurance company. They have a lot of money. They um, you know they have a strong interest in lowering annual average annual values. But they, you know, they, they can afford to take a loss on a free agent. If they extend the wrong guy and they give him $50 million and doesn't turn out, uh, doesn't, you know, work out well, they can kind of write that off, whereas the Rays can't necessarily do that. They kind of have to take it. They, if it's not a team-friendly deal, they can't do it. Um, I think what the Yankees should be doing is they should use contract extensions to buy prime years. They shouldn't try to um, buy, like, necessarily get the big discount. But they should try to keep a guy under free agent, under contract and not a free agent through that age 27, 28, 29 season. 
And I think you have an option there with Sanchez. I think the next play we're talking about, I don't think they have an option there with. Um, do you have a general thought on strategy in terms of in terms of um, contract extensions? It's not something the Yankees have really done that much. It's something they haven't done. Uh, a lot of small market teams tend to do it, it seems. I know the Indians have done it with a number of players. Um, you know, I think what you're doing is you're getting into the economics of baseball. And I think there's so many different layers to the conversation. If the Yankees are willing to use their financial might... And they're going to say, like, our, our one of our strengths is the fact that we can overbid and we can uh, be an insurance policy if we buy a free agent and he doesn't work out. Then we're not going to let that money hamper us from doing the next best player that year and that winter. Unfortunately, you know, the Yankees that we've gotten a chance to know over the last three, four, five, six seasons – are a team that seems to care more about getting and now maybe staying under the luxury tax. And so if that's the case, then I'm looking to not really extend guys because these these are their cheap years and I'm going to try to keep them as cheap as I can because they have to offset the other contracts that I want the Yankees to pick up. If they're willing to pay big bucks and, and do the right thing, as you know, Yankee fans expect them to do at least. Uh, yeah, sure. Then I, I don't have a problem with it. But I think, I think this winter is going to show us if the Yankees are really going to be willing to dip into the till and, and spend spend the money on the team as everybody's been hoping that they would once they spent one year under the luxury tax. Yeah, and so if they are, um, if they are one, if they really care about the luxury tax and they want to build a super team now, I think you're completely right. Right, like, like at that point, you don't have extra budget room to pay five million dollars to Gary Sanchez this season. If they don't care that much about the luxury tax going forward, and they're going to spend two hundred forty million dollars kind of into perpetuity, I think that in that case, you know, then then I think you, you it's like a it's like a, it's a good long term financial decision to sign these, and it actually improves your long term financial stability, and so you can go out and sign the big free agent. Um, it also makes them more tradable, which I think is also notable. Like you, know, you, you can trade a certain asset to people. So if you get a really good deal, you can you can trade that contract. Um, but I want to move on to Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is about to enter his age twenty seven season. You might have heard of him. He's six foot seven, two hundred eighty two pounds. He plays right field for the New York Yankees. Would you sign Aaron Judge to a contract extension? If there was anybody, on, and we went through the list at this point, who would deserve it the most because of his performance. Um, consistently, uh, it would be Aaron Judge. But I think the problem with Judge is the fact that he's not going to become a free agent until he's 31. And then are yeah, you just, he's too old. Yeah, he's too old. Are you yeah. buying? Are you paying big money now for his decline years? I agree. You know, I think he came up late, and I think he's the kind of guy who just gets completely screwed by baseball's contract system. I hope he makes a lot of money in arbitration. But yeah, I'm with you there. Maybe I would sign to one of those deals that you occasionally see, which doesn't extend your free agency, but kind of like settles into like a, a predictable arbitration schedule. But I don't think the Yankees will do that. I think the Yankees will um, will essentially you know take the risk on, on their side and be be perfectly okay with with it if he if he gets a twenty five million dollar you know you know you know uh, contract in you know his fifth year because he's amazing. So I, I'm with you there. I think Aaron Judge is a definite no. I think a more interesting one we're going to move on to is Luis Severino. So he's about to enter his age 25 season. Um, he had a bit of a weird start to his career because he was up and down from the minors during his first two seasons. So like the other two, this is now really interesting, like Judge and Sanchez, he's a free agent after the 2023 season. Um, he is currently 24 years old. Um, which means that uh, he will be 
28, I guess, during the after that season or, or during that season. So he'll be a year younger than Sanchez, two years younger than Judge. Um, would you sign Luis Severino to a contract extension? Uh, this will surprise you. Of, of all of them, it probably makes the most sense with him, especially because pitchers are, are much, I think, harder to replace. And you know what? A pitcher entering his age 28, 29, 30 seasons um, – he might be a good guy to to invest in. You, you have to hope that he's the pitcher that the Yankees saw in the first half. I, I think the problem with, with a lot of these guys is the fact that there's just so much questions, so many questions about them. Was he breaking down last year? Was he just tired because he pitched so much the year before? Um, who, who's the real Luis Severino if he's the pitcher we saw in the first half of, of 2018? Yeah, I think I do because the upside, and you're still be going to be getting some some prime years. Look, Degrom just won the MV, uh, the Cy Young Award, and what is he, 30 or 31? So you're still going to get good production out of him in a for a couple of those uh, years that you extend him. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate to think this way because this is really not not how I like to think about players. But Luis Severino has a real strong incentive to be risk averse right now. He's a pitcher. He could go. He could have Tommy John surgery any day now. He hasn't yet hit arbitration. He was not a big bonus baby. He doesn't have a big nest egg put away. He's making the major league minimum. I think that if you offer him a contract that is, you know, I'll say a little bit team friendly, more team friendly than the hitters at least, he might take it. And maybe you buy out two or three of his year, his years, maybe some team options, you know, and you guarantee him forty-five to fifty million dollars. I think he takes that deal. And, you know, in that case, I, I think you signed to that. I, I think there's a, there's a chance that Luis Severino is currently the youngest ace in baseball and will be an ace for a decade. I mean, it, if, he follows, if he follows the path of the, all of those great aces that, you, you know, that, that we talk, think about, not just DeGrom, but Max Scherzer and Verlander and all those guys who, he, you know, he has the stuff to compete with, that could be the bargain of the century. And then you wouldn't want, you would get his age 28, 29, 30 season and then just kind of let him loose at 31. Um, you know, there might be a Tommy John surgery in the middle of there, but you know, if you sign a good enough contract, you can still be, it can still be worth it. Even, you know, even if there's a, there's a real problem in the middle of there. So yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on, I think Luis Severino is the player I want to resign the most. Um, but let's move on to Glaber Torres, a little bit of a different player. So Glaber Torres, again, you might've heard of him. He is younger than all of these other players. He hit, he hit in the major leagues, much younger than all of these other players. So he just played his age 21 season. He's a free agent after the 2025 season. Um, he will be, let's see here. So he'll be, he'll be like what, 26, 27, something like that. So he'll be, he'll be a pretty young free agent, kind of similar to this Manny Machado, Bryce Harper situation. Um, so given that, would you try to sign Torres to a deal? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to answer. What you were just saying is he's going to be the Manny Machado or the Bryce Harper when he's 26 or 27 years old. But that's a long way away. And he's had one good year because he only had his one year. He had a great rookie season. But I don't think you extend a guy based upon a rookie season. Maybe if he does it again next year and maybe the year after, then you say, hey, let's sit down and talk long term. But I, you know what? I also think this plays into that, that whole shortstop discussion we've been having. Um if he's an elite shortstop, I think he's worth a lot more than if he's an elite second baseman. And it's one reason yeah, I definitely. move him over. I want to see what he can do as the shortstop. And he's also not an elite second baseman. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Yeah. But he's a shortstop. He's a natural shortstop. So, so again, in my gut, I'm saying if I, this is the guy I'm going to invest in, 
I want to put him at shortstop and, and see what happens for the next 10 years, five years, and, and, and make my decisions based upon a full season of what he can do at shortstop in 2019, not jerking him around. I don't think you jerk around elite talent. And um, then we go into next winter saying, well, you know, he played half a year at shortstop. Was he comfortable? He went back to second. He wasn't that comfortable. What are we going to get in the next year? I'd rather go into this season and find out once and for all uh, with him and just let him play. Yeah, see, I don't think this is the season to sign that extension. I think you want to see what he is. There's kind of two possibilities for next season. He could go to the Addison Russell route, or he could go the Manny Machado route. If he goes the Addison Russell route, then that would have been a ter- disastrous contract to sign him to, because you would have him on the team for seven, eight years, and um, you know he wouldn't be he wouldn't be worth the money that that, that you would be paying him. Um, if he goes the 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 other route, if he goes the the route of becoming a truly elite player. Um, and if he thinks he has that ability, I don't think he signs the contract. <laughs> you know, I, I think that um, you know he's he's in a position to maybe set up free agency and do really well in free agency, and maybe you can buy him out for a lot more than you would buy him out for this season after next season. And I I think that's probably how it would go, where the Yankees just wouldn't really consider giving him enough money to sign right now. Uh, but next season he could you know he could he could be a seven win player next year, and he could you know next season he could be. Uh, you know, the contract extension could cost $100 million. And um, that's what I think I would consider it. And, and he's a player I think you'd like to have on the team long term, but I don't know what kind of player he is yet. And I agree with you. I don't know what, what, what position he fits into. I don't know you know, if he's going to be a bad defensive player. I don't know if he's going to be a good defensive player. I don't know if he's going to hit 30 home runs. I don't know if he's going to hit 20 home runs. Like th- Those things are all up in the air at the moment. Um, let's move on to the last player, Miguel Andujar. Should the Yankees sign Miguel Andujar to a contract extension? <laughs> no. And again, yep. like you, I'm a big Andujar, <laughs> Andujar supporter. Uh, but he's got to demonstrate that he can field and be a major league uh, defensive player as well as a major league hitter. I think he's a hitter already. I think he'll hit and hit and hit. He's my long-term third baseman. I trust him for another year or two to figure it out defensively. But I don't extend him. Not, he, he's, he's got too much to prove at this point. I think he's a little overrated at the moment. Um, he's really good. He's a really good power hitter. He's one, one of those one of the best power hitters in terms of like just you know doubles and home runs last year. He hit two ninety seven. Didn't strike out too much. Didn't take a lot of walks and played god awful defense. And there's a lot of luck in that profile. Um, the luck, you know, Statcats thinks that he's probably got a couple of you know twenty or thirty points off his Woba coming. Um, the walks don't give him a lot of a lot of wiggle room, so he can't, for example, increase his strikeout rate by five percent and still be a productive player. The defense is still a problem. He doesn't really have the option to move to say a short. He's not a shortstop who can move to second base. His best option is to move to continue at third base or to move to first base or DH. At which point he becomes just much less valuable from a position standpoint. Um, I've been saying all offseason I think the Yankees should try and trade him if they can get something really good for him. I still believe that. I still think that the Yankees are in good shape if they decide to you know stick with him as their third baseman next year. He was a two-win player last year. Um, three wins, I think, by Fangraphs. But, um, you know, I don't long-term, I don't want to be stuck with him, and I definitely don't want to buy on Miguel Andujar at this moment. So we're in agreement. How about that? There we go. Paul, it's been 43 minutes. It's been a long podcast, so thank you very much for joining me. I hope, hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back. If there's any news, we'll do an emergency podcast. Otherwise, we'll be back next week. Um, if there is no news, we're going to do a little bit of a Hall of Fame talk. It's going to be a big year for Yankee Hall of Famers, uh, but if there is some significant news, we'll talk about that. Stay tuned. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. This has been your Bronx Beat Podcast.